just gripping it and ripping it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark Stedman, and I am home. I'm John Hickman. It's vitally important that we talk and drink. I'm Danny Smith. Not again. And I'm John Bands, and I'm the fourth host in this increasingly inaccurately three-hosted <laughs> person podcast. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard, leopard. From the outpost, this is Beware of the Leopard, the glossary to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, this is something of a special episode, given that today is the 42nd birthday of the original radio series, so uh, I thought that I'd um, kick us all off by asking you guys what Hitchhikers has meant to you. Is this a special episode where there's going to be a moral, like, don't take Adderall or, or like, um, mm-hmm. you know, definitely vote or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I will definitely say the definitely vote thing, but um, this is, um, surely this is one step up from a clip show. <laughs> half, half. We're gonna be we're gonna be covering a lot of old ground that we've already covered. So yeah, it's this life twenty exactly. You you remember that time we were stuck in that lift? This is the this is like the big friends reunion they keep teasing. Mm-hmm. And then you go, then they say unscripted, which means they're not going to make another episode of Friends. They're just gonna have them sitting on some chairs. But that's what they did. That was the program. Are we getting twenty five million dollars per per cast member for that? I don't know. I don't know, mate. It's your show. Uh, I thought it was Hickman who did the books. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in charge of those numbers there, Hickman. Um, so, yeah, what, what would... Was, uh, we, we wrote some pieces, actually, um, mm-hmm. which you'll find linked in the show notes. Uh, at BT, uh, incidentally, at btlpodcast.com. Um, and, and, which, you know... We submitted them to a magazine. They didn't want them. <laughs> so um, you get them now instead. Well, I, say, I, I, I think the um, this is quite an interesting one because I think we wrote those, did we, for the 40th anniversary? Yes, we like, did. That's two, two years, years ago. ago. <laughs> and that's, um, which, uh, time flies when mm. you're um, attempting to uh, uh, signal boost the podcast. Mm. Um, uh, and I think, I remember thinking at the time, this is a bit of a weird one because it's 40 years of the podcast but it's not 40 years of my relationship with it because like I was two yeah when it first started and it's not only not 40 years that because to be quite honest I hadn't heard the radio series for a long long time mm. after I you know read the books yeah what's the telly show it's it is weird isn't it and I think that's that's true. I'm in the I'm the oldest one here, so it's true for me that it's true that none of you like were born mm-hmm. when it was first um, broadcast, and that's that's quite nice, isn't it? There's a that's a, a sort of um, testimony to the longevity of the uh, idea and the and the show and the quality of it, isn't it? That we're all still talking about it 42 years down the line, and. And that also means that we all came to it in our own way. And I, I suspect we all have sort of unique memories of uh, of things. I mean, for me, and, and the thing that I wrote about in the piece is, like, and it, while I was writing the piece, I realised I often think about this one Christmas period that I spent in 2006 where I was, I, I'd just been given the, um, now, uh, listeners to the uh, podcast will know of a running uh, side story between myself and Danny about this uh, in that I was given that uh, the that year uh, that Christmas a, a box set of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series on CD <laughs> and I I have genuinely fond memories of sitting and playing like Half-Life 2 on the Xbox um, over that Christmas period the the, the Merineum as we call it here um and listening to that whole series. And the reason it sticks in my mind so much is because only a, like six weeks later, I would start my adulting career um, and getting like actually getting a job and then getting a flat and then 
being broke and, and you know, being miserable and all those things that you do and then getting happy again and getting drunk. Like, I started to become an, uh, an adult. Um, and so that period, that, like, three or four days was the, the last time I was truly, like, a completely free, autonomous human being. And that's a really interesting thing. And Hitchhikers was absolutely a massive part of that because it was the soundtrack to it. Hitchhiker is difficult for me to kind of differentiate between like the nostalgia of that particular period and the discovery of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I discovered, um, Hitchhiker's Guides to the Galaxy through the TV program. So my mum and dad had, uh, social lives when I was younger. I'm pretty sure of it. And they used to go out separately. So on the nights that my dad used to go out and play darts, I would be sitting in watching, uh, MASH and, uh, Moonlighting with my mom. Mm. Um, but when my mom went out on the rare occasions that she did, my dad would watch videos that he borrowed from a bloke at work. Yes. <laughs> I'm not, now I'm sure the vid, the other videos that he borrowed from the bloke at work were waiting <laughs> until I went to bed. <laughs> but the videos that I did get to watch were of comedies. So my, 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 my formative years of comedy were, were, were films like airplane and, um, uh, Monty Python Life of Brian. And I remember, I distinctly remember my dad making me watch the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and sitting there and like the animation comes on and you're like, and, and like, I'm, I'm a kid, I'm obsessed with cartoons and I'm like, this is amazing. And that voice. So yeah, as much as I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I, and I think Douglas Adams is an amazing writer, it's very, very difficult to kind of unweave the good bits of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy without it being pressing on that nostalgia nerve right in my brain. Yeah, I came to it through the TV show as well. Um, so it's sort of a similar story to Danny, but wasn't wasn't like uh, videos coming into the house. It was actually a, a, at a friend's house where someone had taped it, like a, an older brother or a dad or something. Um, but it must have been a rerun because I'd have been six or seven. So this would have been like late to mid, mid to late 80s, so 86, 87, something like that around the same time when Red Dwarf was on and they'd also tape that and we just used to watch those tapes on a loop and just kind of really steeped ourselves in the in the in the ideas and the quotes and we thought Slotty Bartfuss was the most hilarious name in the world and <laughs> that's weird because I've, I've probably mentioned the podcast before but I never ever got that still don't know why it's funny it's just a funny word it's just a funny it's, word <laughs> it doesn't make me laugh it's it's wow that's a genuinely it's funny, funny word you dickhead it's a funny word John <laughs> I think I think this is because I I think this is because I came to this through the books and I read it and it didn't make a funny sound in my head. Yeah, have you are you one of these people that they've been talking about on the internet that doesn't have the internal voice? <laughs> but even if you do, your internal voice speaks with a Midlands accent, uh, probably, and so Slarty Bartfast isn't as funny. You insulting fucker! <laughs> <laughs> I have you know that Shakespeare's voice was an in- internal voice was a Midlands accent. You're so fucking dim that even your internal voice. Sounds like a moron. <laughs> I, I, that's now. That is. That's a degree of self hatred that I did not prepare for. Uh, I think. I think maybe. And, and far be it for for me to accuse someone else of doing this. But maybe you read a little bit more into that than I intended. All I simply meant was that you would probably read it as slarty bart fast rather than slarty bart fast. Oh yeah, that's true. That's literally all I meant. Or and it's not as funny. Or there's a thing that people do when they're reading is not actually read the syllables of the word. They just recognise that symbol as that and a particular name. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've I've gone through like whole 
fantasy trilogies where I've never pronounced the the name of the protagonist yes. in my head out loud. And and like when it becomes a TV series or ever, I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, is that what we're doing now? Okay, sure. <laughs> this happens to me a lot with sort of political theorists and stuff. And you'll be you'll read all about, um, I don't know, uh, let's say Engels, I mean, not Engels, but um, you'll be read lots of stuff about this uh, Anglais character, <laughs> and then then eventually someone will say it, and then you go, oh right. Well, I, I heard um, fairly recently that uh, that's always a, a good sign because if you uh, if, if you take a, a, a word that is in our lexicon um, as opposed to a, a name, um, and if you find yourself being embarrassed at the pronunciation, that's probably because you came to that word because you read it as opposed to hearing it from someone else. So props to you. You're an autodidact. I'm not, sir, and I wish you would stop <laughs> accusing me of that. I, it, 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 does, it doesn't blunt the shame of pronouncing it hyperboil for fucking 32 years. <laughs> no. Go to the doctor and get that lance, Danny, when you get a hyperboil. You've really hit the, uh, hit the epitome of that problem. <laughs> <laughs> the repeats that, um, that Danny and uh, John were watching on video were probably the repeats where I first encountered the TV show. So I'd read the... I'd read I think the first two books from the library um, in my little bedroom. And uh, then it, I, it was on the telly and it was on uh, nine o'clock, I think on a Friday night on BBC two, this repeat was, and I watched it because my mum would have been watching, I don't know, Cagney and Lacey or whatever it was. The, uh, and my dad would have been out at the pub because it was Friday. And I watched it on a big old black and white telly that somehow we'd come by. We hadn't bought. It was huge. It was like a 26 inch black and white telly that filled an entire bit of my mum and dad's wardrobe. I think even my dad had sort of added in some extra supports to the wardrobe so this telly wouldn't bow it down because it was a big fucking CRT thing, as wide almost as it was, deep as it was wide. And I remember... Watching all Tell those, us more about um, the TV, John. It's big, isn't it? <laughs> the, uh, the, Did you have to tune it to the different channels each time you wanted to change the channel? Were there, were there buttons for each individual channel? No, it had yeah, a knob. You had, to, you had to tune it, yeah, yeah. Turning yeah. knob, yeah. But I was just thinking that everybody being um, incredibly, uh, you know, impressed by the the, the, the cartoons. They're not, they're not computer graphics, are they? They were hand animated. They were, hand drawn, the yeah. And the, everybody being incredibly impressed by them. On a black and white TV that oh, is yeah. slightly off tune yeah. coming from the, the, the reeking transmitter into the Midlands <laughs> because there's a hill in the way to the Sutton one. Um, yeah, I couldn't read it. Some of the, some of the magic is slightly lost. Yeah. You've got, yeah. I mean, th- there's a lot of actual like dense text in those. Uh, I remember when, um, when I did the rewatch, uh, f- for research purposes, cause I'm not a great fan of the series. Um, the, the TV series. Um, but yeah, I, I, there are a lot of, of, of jokes there that you'd have to... I mean, this is in a day when people weren't pausing TV because such a thing didn't exist and it wouldn't have even been made for VHS. So, you know, you really would have... If you didn't catch the joke the first time, that was it, gone. Oh, man. Imagine imagine, imagine those imagine those days when um, if you missed something, it was gone. But yeah. imagine the amount of effort that went in uh, to making that art... And knowing at the time that this was not going to be seen again, it is incredible to think that 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 is a standard that we held, you know, that, that broadcasters held themselves to it. Well, as we've uh, uh, probably mentioned before, that was the uh, the budget for the series was so high that the the good the goodies had to go to ITV. <laughs> uh, so it's been a while since uh, we last gathered around a mic. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Um, what have you? Uh, 
Apart, apart from um, throwing me off kilter, um, what have y'all uh, been up to while we've been away? Uh, one thing I haven't done is I still haven't listened to the last show because I just can't. Ah, I just too much. So this is this is quite a good pressure release valve for me. I'm going to be able to now. Have you ever listened to the show? It's quite good. No, I've listened to the show, but oh, I've cool, never cool. listened to the final episode of the show. I don't think it was very funny, but it was a nice one. I was too emotional about yeah. it. I couldn't. Did we get emotional? Um, John, I think John did. I think John was a big, wet, emotional boy about it, to be honest. I can't remember. And it, was, can't it, was, remember. it was a lovely thing to see. Oh. I don't recall. I think what I, my memories, quite often, I would not listen to the ones with me in. Uh-huh. So I've heard loads of great episodes from you guys, but yeah. um, I'm, ass- They're good, I'm, aren't ass- they? I'm <laughs> assuming that mine were shite. Oh. I might go back. Yeah, it's, it's 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 worth it. Why don't we start a uh, a sort of rewatch podcast of Beware of the Leopard, <laughs> where we go back and listen to the episodes of Beware of the Leopard? <laughs> we can call it Beware of Beware of the Leopard. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh my god, I'm I down. love that. I love that. The director's commentary of the podcast of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It it just it right. I mean, it literally writes itself because we haven't got to write anything. This is perfect. <laughs> back on the horse, lads. But I've done something. I've done something special though. Oh, which um, I'd like to submit to to the group, please. I work remotely, and we get together once every six months. And the summer meetup last year, just after we finished recording, was at a place called Huntsham Court, which is down in uh, Devon, and it has a connection to hitchhikers and to douglas which i'd like to tell you about if you don't mind i'd like to hear it so um one of the things that we know about douglas is that he was often running behind with his work and huntsham court is one of the places where he was sequestered to hit a deadline um the deadline in particular i'm told was for um so long and thanks for all the fish um so this is like 1984-85 and he was there with the chap who was making the hitchhikers computer game and they were just told to go and finish their work and come back when they were done. And they spent 10 weeks kind of just drinking in a big country house. Um, and uh, while he was there, apparently, um, Douglas uh, also picked up some some extra work uh, where he was offered £50,000 to uh, write a calendar. I don't know how you write a calendar, but uh, like one, two three um for 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 some people in america and he didn't do any work on it and just before he left he got a call to say that the work was cancelled but they sent him half the fee so he um celebrated by buying the biggest bottle of champagne that they had in the in the house um uh because he got 25 grand for doing nothing yep um presumably he hadn't even finished the book um <laughs> but i got to get drunk in the same bar um, every night and um, one of my pals actually had the room that Douglas stayed in which had double bathtubs and uh, an ice bucket for champagne it was very fancy Ooh. so you know you, you remember because I love you all I bought you all a Christmas present this year yes you did and what I bought you was a dramatisation of Douglas's time in that hotel room oh. was that uh, that hotel room yeah that is because this only happened once huh uh, Dino, they shut him up at home, but they're going to a hotel and locking him in thing. It only happened once. Uh, and it was, I bought you a little book, which is the text of a play by a writer called Mark Griffiths, who's, um, quite a successful writer in lots of other, other ways. But this is his first, I, th- I think, sort of book of a play thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's a, a dramatization of essentially Douglas Adams in that hotel room. And I don't know how, how uh, true to life it is. All of the pieces come together. But I um I I did read one of your copies without baking the spine <laughs> uh, before I wrapped it up for Christmas. <laughs> I I'd, I'd give it a 
four stars, double thumbs up. Uh, MarkGriffithsBooks.co.uk. The book's called We Apologise for the Inconvenience. Mark, you've been writing. You, 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 you did a, you did a book out of you, didn't you? I did. I, I, I shot a book out. Um, and um. <laughs> I'm, clean, I'm, I'm in the process of cleaning it up at the moment. You did the whole book out you. Yeah, uh, 36,000 words, kid's book um, that is very uh, lean. It, 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 it owes a lot to Adams, genuinely, uh, and, and a lot of writers um, that I enjoyed when I was sort of 18-ish. Um, uh, uh, but it's, it's written for a younger audience. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the hell is going to happen to it, but I'm proud that I've, I've got this far and I wrote that many words in an order um, and they're sort of coherent. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what that adventure uh, holds for me. And, and if I can be the final member of the Leopard crew to have some sort of publishing arrangement, uh, that would be, be quite a nice thing. Uh, dear listener, I have read part of said book and it is bloody good. I um, I mean, literally the only thing that I've been doing uh, since we broke up was uh, I've been writing a book. Yeah, you have. Still not entirely finished, but I'm like closing in on, it's about 65 grand word count. All right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's very nearly, I've very nearly written the, the end, uh, on that. And then I have to type it up because I accidentally wrote it in longhand for the last 15,000 words. Accidentally. Hey. Did you accidentally do that? Well, it was going so well in longhand that I didn't want to stop and shift it onto the computer because I didn't want to wake my procrastination. So I, I just carried on writing it in longhand. <laughs> Well, um, sadly, uh, since we uh, finished recording last year, uh, we did have to say goodbye to uh, another hitchhiker by the name of Stephen Moore. Uh, you'll know him as the voice of Marvin, the paranoid android uh, in the original radio series and the TV series, except he didn't want to get in the robot suit. Uh, and I don't blame him. Uh, but he um, he had a few other notable career highlights, didn't he? I, I know. So I, um, I wasn't aware of any of his other work. So I did, as I always do refer to the internet movie database.com just to just to get a sense of, of of the work and it was the normal stuff that i was expecting to see there's some there's some bill in there mm-hmm. there's some sharp in there some some doctor who he was one of those i forget the name of them in the modern era they're in there again i think they were old who and they knew who the scaly guys um he did he did love joy you know, like this is all like a proper British canon. So I want to ask this is why has he been credited with a 2002 episode of Dawson's Creek? Goodness me. What? Wow. I don't know. That's impressive, right? It just, it stuck out to me. Maybe he was just on holiday at the time. (laughs) He had a SAG card and they were just like, there you go. That wasn't the episode of Dawson's Creek where they came for a wedding in London. (laughs) (laughs) And they stood in front of a map painting of the Houses of Parliament. Dawson's up shit creek. Houston, <laughs> Holby City, of course. He's a proper proper British actor. Oh, come on. So you're, you're, you're Stephen Moore. There's a lot to love about you, Stephen there, Moore. There he's, really is. He, for, for me, uh, if you are a, a Python fan, um, you've probably watched Clockwise. Uh, probably John Cleese's best solo work by Faulty Towers. I don't know. I think it might be. In terms of acting, because I don't think he, he, he was involved in the writing, but uh, in terms of performance... Uh, I think it's a it's a cracking performance. How does it work with the beating up a car thing? Because 
he's like that's his he bit. does that to it yeah he does that to a telephone oh fuck yeah he does it in a yeah. um, he does he it does in a phone it, booth yeah, he does it in a phone booth yeah so i i i guess like he's he writ a bit of it because he did that bit no it's like if you're right if you're writing for john cleese you're what does john cleese really like to do Kick the shit out of inanimate objects. <laughs> right, got it. <laughs> with, with absolute gusto. Uh, but the, the man we're talking about, Stephen Moore, played uh, uh, Mr. Jolly, I believe his name was, uh, who was the um, the sort of beleaguered um, music teacher who could never quite finish uh, a complete... Uh, but apparently the, uh, the film was um, <laughs> written by Michael Frayn. So there you go. Original screenplay by... Michael Frayn. Uh, but yeah, uh, that he, he was that. He, he was that in that film. It's a lovely, lovely film. Um, and also, he he sort of had a, a bit of help with his retirement plan in that he was um, Kevin's dad in the uh, in the sketches uh, of Kevin and Perry oh, and, the, and the film. Yeah. And the film, Go Large. The only thing that made me be able to picture who it was in my head was that that particular credit he's one of those he's, he's got a sort of distinctive enough face and, and his voice as well when, when it's not Marvin um, yeah and, and he was he wasn't just Marvin in, even in, in Hitchhikers either he was quite a few characters he was the whale um, and he he and um, Arthur Dent co-wrote a sketch uh, for a charity thing John Bounds will probably remember this um, because it, um, Adams was supposed to have written it and uh, because it was Adams, the deadline went whoosh past his head and it just it <laughs> went away. And they were like, shit, we've, we've got to go on stage. We've got to write a thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so, yeah, Simon Jones and um, and Stephen Moore, apparently, if, if I remember rightly, got up and, and they just they wrote a Hitchhiker sketch. Oh, wow. Well, he must have done a lot of promo for uh, when um, Marvin had his uh, his hit single. I was hoping you weren't going to bring um, that up. <laughs> he was he was doing that. He, he wasn't. Um, as like he would say, he wasn't in the suit. But he must have been off stage in Blue Peter and uh, on top of the ops, unless they didn't make him sing like chip on my shoulder made of silicon. My printed circuits like a lexicon. Ten billion logic functions, maybe more. They make me pick the paper off the floor. So one of the things that uh, I've been working on since uh, we finished up last year uh, is... Um in in the vein of, uh, of of things that we've discussed before and, and might have played on a Twitch stream, uh, I made I made a computer game, lads. That's because you're an evil man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I couldn't I couldn't figure out what to what to what to buy these lads for Christmas. Um, and so I thought, in, in the tradition of um, people who can't think of nice things to buy for their friends, they're just oh, I'll make something. So I made um, a text adventure game, and uh, it's called Podcast Day. And um, I think Danny is the furthest along and is maybe halfway through the game and, Half, and has halfway. been completely stuck. Uh, right. Okay. Can I, can I let slip some of the premise? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. So uh, the, the idea of the podcast is to get all of us together in the same room so we can do a podcast. So I've managed to get both the Johns and you, and like we're playing you so you're in the room together the only person i can't get to get into the room is fucking me and i think that i would have some sort of fucking clue or insight into how to do it because i'm me right <laughs> but no no can't no not even a little bit um yeah super stuck and you're saying that's half it's about halfway through i really want to help like i i'm i'm helpful i know i'm a nightmare but i'm also helpful and i i'm sort of 
I'm frustrated and sad that you can't figure out. Have you? But one of the thi- one of the things you chose not to include is a save function. I, that, so okay. even if you were right. to give me a hint, I've got to clear off a good hour or so to get back to the place where I always was. You, uh, yeah, th- this is this is speaking as someone who, who's not a coder. I like the fact that you're just like chose not to include. Um, yeah, because like, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't just um, click the button that says make it all savable. Turns out that's actually quite a lot of work. <laughs> Um, and I would have liked to have done that, but we, we were getting to the point where it was nearly 2020 and I hadn't delivered your Christmas present yet. I, I, um, so that's why there's no safe function. I have a theory about those sort of games mm. and the type of person that played them and the type of person they became. Ooh. So those those games were very, very popular amongst people that went on to code. I'm not out of turn by saying that, right? No, 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 absolutely. And to be clear, just in case we've not made it explicitly clear, this is a text adventure game, and there are some people who don't know what that is, um, which is that you read everything. So you're not you're not seeing images, you're not navigating a 3D space or a 2D space, you are reading, you are here, you do this thing, and then you've got to type into a box to do things. And you don't, you don't get buttons to choose from, you don't get, like, look, uh, move, like, you've actually just got to type every instruction, and... This leads on to Danny's exact point, so I just wanted to make make that point. Yeah, and the program accepts a very narrow set of of uh, syntactical diversions from yes. the answer it's expecting. Yes. <laughs> so it, it seems it seems that you guys have got there before me. It seems that part of the pleasure of playing one of those games is the frustration that I have with playing one of those games is that mm. the mm. syntax has to be absolutely correct for the very vague things that you want to do. So if you want to go forward, sometimes it'll accept going forward, but sometimes uh, some of the games only accept go north or go in a direction. Or if you want to pick something up, it might only accept grab something. And it never explicitly tells you how to play the game. You have to work out the syntax for itself, which, although I've only done a very, very, very limited amount of, sounds like coding, that's that's literally how you learn to code. Is is it, back in the day? It used to be that you um, it, it, back in my day, and and I'm sure you guys will remember this as well. There used to be a language called Logo, and you would move a turtle, and for some reason it was a turtle, and um, sometimes it was a real physical turtle that you could type, and and you would have it connected to your computer via serial cable, and you would say like up. I can't remember what it was, but it would be like up and then a number, and that would be like the number of of steps that that character can move up. What? Um, and you can draw. Pardon? Did you you said a physical turtle. So what? Oh yeah, yeah. we had that. Yeah, yeah. They, they stuck wires into a into a isn't that's a, ro- a robot turtle in a the same turtle. way that a mouse is a mouse. Yeah. Right. Okay. 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 A okay, plastic okay. a plastic turtle. Oh, I had some fucking Frankenstein no, shit going. Mate. I had like no, wires going no. into turtles, like twitching head, and it, it it just like sending electricity to make it fucking. Oh no, that was. That well, thanks for thanks for giving me nightmares for the next month, mate. Oh, that's cool. That's that's that image is never leaving me now. Oddly, that is what we had. Well, you went to an expensive <laughs> school, John. Yeah, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. It is that, and it is it's it's sometimes very painfully, um, and and you know I'm aware that. That is sort of me, um, 
and so there is a there is a particular perverse pleasure um, in in the plosives. There is a particular perverse pleasure in in making a game where you've got to not only try and get inside my head, but also get inside what Mark considers to be valid syntax. It's 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 Mark squared. This game, it really is. And I I'm I was delighted that you got as far as you did. And I, I really want to tell you how to how to beat the game. I I I, I may need some help in summoning me. I know it like. Knowing me, knowing you, uh-huh. I know, and and uh, part of me is like, fuck you for doing this, and part of me is like, yeah, 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 definitely, that's fucking cool, is I know it's something to do with the beers. There's beers in the fridge. I know it's something to do with that. No. Okay, okay. so all I'm going to do is I will give you the hint that um, once you've brought both of the Johns in, beer is involved because they won't really have a conversation with you until they've both got a beer in their hand. Um, so if you've brought the second John in, that's Hickman, um, Hickman will, will then help you along and, and actually explain how to summon <laughs> yourself. I've, I've beard Hickman and I've beard John. And I've not got that yet. And if you talk, if you talk to Hickman, um, he will make a joke about you that should give you everything you need. Right. Okay. Oh and then God. you might feel compelled to go to the bathroom at that point. Oh my God. Right. You might at that point be compelled to go to the bathroom. Cool. So. This is like you made, you decided you'd make everyone a jar of chutney, but you glued the jar shut, Mark. <laughs> 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 this is not Kirsty Allsop's homemade Christmas, Mark. This is <laughs> this is evil. Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I'm definitely going to be the first person to do it. Also, it's very lovely, I should say, as well. It's called Podcast Day, and uh, it's fun for the whole family, by which I mean probably three people, and that's pushing it. But, I mean, I, I really, I really, really, really struggled with the Hitchhiker's game as well. Like, yeah. Oh, God, it's a nightmare. Gen- genuinely, I so don't think we. I've... I don't think I've got past the pub. I am going to dare the listener to try and beat it before me. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> I fucking dare you. Like, if there's a listener listening and reckon they're the dog's bollocks out of that, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat it before you. Yes, I've got a bit of a head start, but I'm not the sort of nerd that listens to a Beware the Leopard podcast. So you've got that on me. But and crucially, there's there's no save function. So yeah, he's got to try and replay it all. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go play play it all, and I have no memory. Uh, really, uh, at all. So, uh, it's going to be fresh for me too, but I dare you to beat me. I absolutely dare you. Double dare you. Contact us at Beware the Leopard, blah, 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 and, uh, feedback at btlpodcast.com. There you go. And if you beat me, I will, I will give you the proper props next time we get together. Nice. I love that you. The, I love that you've sort of specified there, Danny. That like they've got the disadvantage of being the sort of person who listens to podcasts about forty-year-old radio shows, um, but you haven't really acknowledged that you've got the advantage of being one of the people in the game. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not it's sure. clearly not an advantage because he can't figure out how to summon himself. So enough about us. Um, now, we lost Adams uh, around 19 years ago uh, in, in May, uh, and 
Uh, we've talked a lot about what we think he'd be up to uh, if he were still with us, uh, apart from being on more panel shows. But if um, someone tapped him up to help reboot um, or retool an existing piece of PR, uh, or IP rather, because PR is a different thing, um, <laughs> what would what would that be? What um, what would you guys like to see Adams give his particular brand of Adamsness to? I think it could have been quite good fun to give him Picard. Oh, yeah, that could have been quite that could have been quite juicy. Um, I've been watching Picard. I think I'm a couple of episodes behind. It's it, it's quite good fun, but I think Adams would have been great on a, a proper sci-fi show with a big budget like that. And um, although Picard is is quote unquote French. He's also quite British. So uh, that kind of like British bedraggled retiree being dragged into an intergalactic kind of war, I think that would work really, really, really well. Adams does reluctance very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and on the subject of Star Trek, maybe, maybe he could, this isn't a reboot. This is just a kind of um, a, a change of personnel. Maybe he could take over Fargo if Noah Hawley Ooh. gets too busy doing Star Trek. So I've also got Douglas penciled in to um, take over Guardians of the Galaxy after their original trilogy, after the first trilogy's done. Yes, Guardians films. Yes, that's a great idea. I don't even know what it is. And then, as a pure reboot, I'm going to give him um, Time Bandits. <laughs> oh, smashing! Yes, a Time Bandits reboot. A Time Bandits reboot is probably. Are they just waiting for um, Terry Gilliam to die? Because uh, that will totally happen. <laughs> what him dying? Yeah, that's that. that, that that'll that'll that happen. Is, that is inevitable. Oh, you've made that's that's you've turned that quite dark. I mean, <laughs> what is your idea, John? I, I well, I, I, this is something I was thinking about, and it's not um, it's it's not in any of the books. And I was thinking about the the planet's fucked, as we know, and uh, Douglas Adams had a particular interest in ending the world. Mm. Um, you know, being as we know that the original um, story for Hitchhikers was meant to be one of a series of, way, of stories in which the Earth was destroyed at the end, and we know that's going to happen. But there isn't really, apart from, I was thinking about this, there isn't really a, a sort of story of sort of environmental disaster. Uh, there's the if you can take the sort of um, the radio version of the Frog Star World uh, Brontosaur stuff, mm. that's kind that's kind of one, but not really. But I would like to see Douglas Adams take on the absolute impending doom of the planet because we know he got very interested in ecological um, issues uh, later on in in his writing career, and we know that um, there was a guy who thought very deeply about the um, the way the the human race moved through and if you uh, listen to any of his lectures on like the four ages of sand and stuff this is a guy who's thought very much about how our evolutions worked i would love to see him take on essentially climate change and no i don't mean like solve it because that's well, that's not going to happen he's but, a comedy know, writer I mean, yeah yeah uh, obviously, we lost uh, another one that, that we lost this year, which we haven't made mention of. Um, was a, re- a, a, a real sad one was Terry Jones, um, who had a documentarian kind of career, as obviously did Palin and people like that. Um, and I think I would have been really interested to have seen a planet Earth style in terms of budget and effort um, televised last chance to see. Mm. Um, because wow. that that could actually involve uh, Adams, um, and it could be in the way that I think it was. It would kind of go a little bit meta and a little bit behind the curtain. It, it 
could kind of almost be about the making of the very program. Um, uh, you know, they, they there are all sorts of stories about what they did with, with the, the the radio series and things. I would enjoy something like that, I think, and and I, I typically don't usually. That's right. Have you seen the? Um, is it a, is it a South Bank show? A South Bank show or? Panorama or something equivalent of one of these great big British sort of arts documentary series. It's about Douglas Adams where Arthur Dent and Ford Prefect um, confront Douglas in his kitchen about not having finished the novel. <laughs> um, it's on YouTube somewhere. So it's like the, I'd like to see the uh, Kakapo come and confront Douglas for not having fucking saved him or the bottlenose dolphin. And uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a, I've got a spinoff. Mm-hmm that I thought would be nice. I, I wanted something for Trillian to do. Ah, cool. Because, um, so I thought that it might be nice that she becomes a therapogenia, which is a cross between a therapist and an engineer. <laughs> and she goes around fixing all the faulty and damaged AIs that are in the universe. Oh. Oh. Like Quantum Leap, but with robots. But in that, yeah, but in that you can bring in like all sorts of issues about uh, non-neurotypical brains, like the ethics of AI, um, that how people think, like how people get better, like um, drugs, like tinkering around with the actual mechanics of the brain, like and, and like and actually have like something that could be quite light-hearted, but actually make a real difference in how people think about how how we think essentially there is a blueprint for this um so uh, a, a a live show that um became a podcast but was always performed as a radio show that i very much venerate um is is something called the thrilling adventure hour and i won't go into the whole minutia of it because it's, it's complex but they did a storyline um involving um a western sort of a a, a um a space western um, character called the Troubleshooter, uh, who I think was played by Yvette Nicole Brown uh, off of uh, Community, and she went around fixing um, faulty uh, faulty AIs. Right, <laughs> that's what she did. I mean, it, it um, does touch. I mean, Adams does touch on that subject a lot, and I think the I think that the the ethics of AI and and the thinking on AI have developed somewhat, and he would be on top of that. Yeah, absolutely. And he would he be would. thinking very deeply about it. Um, yeah, ab- about them being like just uh, like super advanced algorithms, and algorithms are flawed because you know people because people are flawed. Yeah, yeah, because people are flawed, and and so when you extrapolate that and give them ultimate power, like what you are giving people's worst flaws the ultimate power, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so it yeah you could you could bring all that together and and then still make it funny and interesting and charming and you know have guest spots of like the different characters and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah I, I I miss that not being a real thing. I think that's great. I think it's just a shame that I could never. And I think this was you know we as, as much as we um, appreciate Adam's work, um, Trillian was not a great character, and it was a shame that she was the female character for for a lot of the the time there, and and was not. A particularly, it's not that she wasn't strong. It's just that she wasn't. As as the books went on, she wasn't even a good person. Like she was, she was quite almost amoral, um, and and sort of just just hunting for a story. And and um, I think it was it was a, a real shame because it would be nice to have. Um, not that not that you know because she's a woman she has to be nice, but um, I don't know. It's. I, it's a shame that the only female character in the sort of main canon is not particularly 
well Great. developed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, my other one is mm. um, a reboot. Give it him entirely. Um, let him write most of the pieces to camera and whatnot. Give him primetime telly, Tomorrow's World. <gasps> oh, Ooh, bring that back. That's a lovely idea. Make it ecology-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it hopeful. Mm. Uh, make it interesting. Make people make people care about experts' opinions again. Yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like make it interesting and go. Oh, these people are fucking really fucking clever. Maybe we should think about uh, make it, we should think about what they're saying. How about we give them the mic for yeah. a bit? So make it hopeful. Make it make it ecology minded. Make it an antidote to Black Mirror. I think that Black Mirror and Charlie Brooker owes a lot to to Douglas Adams, but there is a sense of love and silliness and uh hope that is lost with charlie brooker's work douglas adams tends to um everybody in douglas adams universe is flawed but they're flawed in the same way and it's kind of a community of flawed people doing their best the whole universe is a community of flawed people doing their best and i think that that's kind of lost with Black Mirror. It's like technology's bad and everybody's scared of it. And I don't think Adams had that point of view. And I think that it would be, I think that'd be really good. That's one of the, the things that I, I think I really love about Adams is that for someone um, that came to technology or almost technology came to him later in life, I mean, I, well, I, 40s, and he spent a little bit of time being a bit grumpy about it. But then really got on board and and not in that sort of um the smoker who's giving up smoking kind of way like he he was genuinely infused and optimistic about it but also absolutely knew his onions on on the topics as well he wasn't just wide-eyed optimistic he was optimistic but with a degree of of grounding and and being sensible and also being able to tell people you don't have to be scared of everything and this is why yeah so give him tomorrow's world yeah. prime time telly 8:30 on a thursday Little bits to camera, have him write them, have him in charge of the general tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that, yeah, that I'd, I'd love to see that. Guys, I, I, I mean, you've pitched that absolutely perfectly. I'd absolutely love to see it. The chap's no longer with us. We still need to make that. Who's going to make it? Who's it? Who is it? Yeah, the, there's definitely room in the world for it, isn't it? One, one quick, quick thing is, is you, you did briefly spark something in my head about Quantum Leap and then. Quantum Leap just popped into my head <laughs> and I thought, actually, we could give Douglas, Quantum Leap, Rob Delaney takes over the Sam Beckett role. That's a great show. Oh my God, I would watch that 100, 100%, 100% I would watch that. I would watch the arse off it. <laughs> That'd be good. So we're all here to celebrate the 42nd anniversary of the first transmission of the radio series. Uh, the BBC Radio the BBC Radio 4 Extra uh, have uh, been celebrating the event with a bunch of interviews and specials and stuff, which you can all find online. Um, now, we've been recording this uh, a little ahead of the actual day, um, so that we can get out in time, because um, I've got I've got several bones to pick out of, uh, of this, um, this particular <laughs> recording. Because uh, you probably don't know, but we've been going for uh, nine hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> about that 
Yeah. Um, but uh, you will find lots of stuff uh, on the BBC website, uh, and I will try and dig out as many things as I can uh, and put them in the show notes for this episode, um, which, if you don't find them in your in your hand at the moment, on your phone, uh, you'll find them at btlpodcast.com. And also... Um, You'll find a little bit from me on the latest episode of Podcast Radio Hour, which is from BBC Radio 4 Extra, uh, where I got to chat to Rachel Wheely and Anne-Marie Luff uh, about uh, this this thing what you're listening to right now, this podcast, this thing here. Um, I'm going on the actual Great British Bake Off Corporation um, to, uh, to to go and uh, talk, about, uh, talk about the show. So that'll be fun. Um, and obviously I haven't done that yet, but um, uh, if, if my nonsense um, did make it into the final edit, which I'm going to assume it, it did um, then I'm sure it was like charming and, and, and erudite and uh, I used all of my words correctly and didn't stumble or anything you were wonderful yeah I thought so thank you Danny and, and I, I'm, I am sorry for the thing that I said about you <laughs> so that does just about wrap it up for the leopard um, this has been fun we are going to try and come back no promises I, I know we've said we've well I know we said we'd write more but we've been busy okay um, but we do want to try and um, get something out a little bit later in the year so um, do stay uh, subscribed uh, if you are not already uh, then you can find out all the links and stuff at btlpodcast.com or just uh, use your uh, use your phone look for podcast app thing and type in beware of the leopard and you'll find us there um, you can follow us online on the Twitters and such you will find John Hickman at John Hickman there's an H in Hickman but not in John uh, you will find uh, that's not like a catchphrase but I delivered it like one <laughs> that's how that's I do that's a promise um, cadence for catchphrase yeah it's cadence it's it's, uh, it's voice acting training acting thank you you will find Danny at probably drunk you will find John Bounds at bounder uh, there isn't an H in, in, in either of uh, in either of those so that's fine and you'll find me on Twitter at I am Stedman and the show is at BTL podcast um, any closing remarks lads I just like to point out a little bit of H in me it's why I'm so mellow heyo <laughs> this has been a perfect day it's good to be back it's good to be back I love you guys miss this I love you guys uh, and so until next time share and enjoy I'm Mark Stedman. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Yay! Sorry. <laughs> it's your own time you're wasting. Sorry. <laughs> the bell's for me, not for you. Okay, right. I can do this all night. No, I'm fucking... I'm done. I'm... Oh, fuck. <laughs> Behave, Daniel. It's not Daniel's fault. It's not Daniel's fault. It's not Daniel's fault. It, I mean, it was John Bounds' fault. Um, but it's now the fact that I've got the giggles. And what's with the fact that everyone's calling me fucking Daniel? You, I mean, you're going to be naughty. It's your Christian name. You are a good Christian boy. Good clean boy. It's fucking development. I'm, I'm not happy with it. <laughs>